Luke chapter 2, verse 25 uh, to verse 32. Now, it is 7 a.m. Uh, on the 14th of July, uh, 2018. We are in Jakarta, Indonesia. 18-year-old Audi Adilan is sitting out at sea in his wooden fishing hut, right? The hut is tethered uh, to the ocean floor, to the sea floor. Uh, Adilan is 75 miles away from the Indonesian shore. You see, Audi's um, job each night is to light the lamps uh, that are strung around the huts uh, to lure fish to the traps below. While Audi is resting, uh, the hut is latching a bit. Uh, the heavy winds uh, of the ocean have whipped up the waves around it. And Audi thinks that, uh, as he sat there, that he has felt the anchor, the rock anchor, break a little bit. But he is not sure, right? So he continues doing what he's doing. But then he notices that the hut has moved, the fishing hut. And so he realizes now, as he looks around, that he's now adrift in the vast Pacific Ocean. So Audi does what he normally does if he's in trouble. He picks up his walkie-talkie, right? He calls his friends, phone the boss, <laughs> tell him my anchor has snapped. But, they, but he's so far from them that they can barely hear make out his words. The distance is just too far. The, the, the walkie-talkie only works within five kilometers and he's actually drifted further from them by that time. And so he continues to drift. One day passes, no help. Another day, three days, and then it's two weeks. And Audi is still drifting. And he's now rightly very terrified at what's happening. You see, he started drifting with a month of supplies. He, has, he had a bit of rice, a bit of spices, coconut oil, fuel for the generator, and a drum of fresh water. But he's all now, two weeks on, beginning to run out while he's drifting out at sea. With three passes, he has now floated thousands of miles away from home, and he's marking the weights as he drifts. And he's doing that so that he does not lose track of time. But as the days of endless horizon drag on, Audi is growing in despair. He finds himself crying often while he's out, he's, he's out there. And at one moment he thinks about ending it all. But by God's grace he resists the urge. You see, what started as a normal day in Audi's life has morphed into days of darkness that now are literally swallowing his life. He is at the end of the rope. And as we think about Audi's life, we realize immediately that life is full of many such lost at sea situations. Situations where we do not know where to turn for rescue. One day life was okay, all of a sudden we find ourselves struggling. And as we are struggling, we, we find ourselves desperately seeking rescue, desperately seeking comfort. Now, as we look around us in this world we are living in, this COVID era, we immediately realize that the world is in such a situation. The arrival of COVID-19 
from Wuhan in China has blown our lives, of course. Many human lives have been tragically cancelled. In this country alone, it's estimated that at least 80,000, I think now, have lost their lives. Schools, cancelled. Hospital visits, cancelled. Weddings, cancelled. And of course, even churches, cancelled. And in the media, as it looks back over the last year, with all that's been happening with COVID, riots in the U.S., and many other things, they have been trying to summarize what how you summarize a year, and the phrase they keep coming back to is, it has been a dark year. A dark year. A year when darkness came. And according to Google UK, questions beginning with why were one of the most searched questions this year. People want to know why. People are looking for answers. And Google's punchline, if you've seen that little video for three minutes they put together, their punchline is that the search goes on. Of course, they're Google, right? <laughs> they say, we're going to keep searching, keep coming back to Google, right? We're here to help you search because the search in life goes on. For Google, you see, there is no final answer because there is no lasting light to our darkness. As long as you're alive, you keep searching for answers. But what about the Bible? What does it have to say to us about our hopeless situation in the world? Well, when you come to the Bible, interesting enough, the Bible doesn't start with the good news. The Bible starts with the bad news. The bad news is that our situation is, in fact, much worse than we realize. It is bigger than COVID. It is bigger than COVID because everyone is facing three hopeless situations. First of all, all of us are now drifting in the hopeless sea of human sin. That's the human condition. We have cut ourselves, the rope of life, from God, our anchor, our creator. We are like Audi out there in Indonesia, drifting in the sea of human sin. We are eternally separated from God. Our, and this separation from God since Eden has robbed us of any comfort of God. We are trying to ring the boss. We are not even trying to ring the boss, you might say. We are now facing life alone with all of its troubles. And this is why as human beings we, are never, we never feel satisfied no matter how much we accumulate. No matter how much shopping we've done, how many presents we receive today, it's not enough. This is why, as people, we are always at each other's throats. This conspiracy, this worry, this issue. Right? It is also why there is so much suffering in the world. We live in a world that is not as God created it. It is now a world under judgment. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that all of us are now drifting in the hopeless sea of death. The Bible says the consequence of human rebellion against God is that death has entered the world. You know, this year, many lives have been lost to COVID-19 this year. Why? 
Really, it's not really China's fault. It's because all of us enter the world as children of the first Adam. We all live under the reign of death. Now, we can get a vaccine against COVID-19, but it is pepper over the cracks. It may delay death, but it won't stop it. We are hopeless against death. And I know, as I look around here, even here, very few of us here, many of us already know that this year we've experienced death of mothers, grandparents, spouses. We realize that death is a constant in life. And the reason we are hopeless against physical death, actually, the Bible says, is because all of us are born spiritually and eternally dead. The physical death is a symptom of a larger death that the human race experienced and have been experienced since the days of Eden. We die physically because we live under the curse of eternal and spiritual death. So that's problem number two. First problem is human sin. Second problem is death. Well, the final problem is this. All of us are living under the hopeless rule of Satan. The devil is a rebel angel who brought evil in our world. You see, you can't understand anything that's going on in this world until you get it that behind the physical, there is a spiritual war also going on. That there is real evil and a real person behind it, Satan. And that every person enters this world carrying the son name of Satan as our father. Everyone is born as a spiritual slave in Satan's house of darkness. There is an invisible cage around the world run by, run by Satan. And everyone who's born as a member of Satan's rebel domain is immediately assigned, we might say, a spiritual passport marked on it, hell. We are not just living. The God of this world has not just blinded us. The fact that in our natural selves we belong to him means that we are marked for hell. That is a hopeless situation that every single human being is born into. That is the bad news. Our life is more hopeless than we ever imagined. But here is the good news. Here is the good news. The good news comes only as one word. Christmas. Christmas. The good news of the Bible is that God visited us that first Christmas to rescue us from our hopelessness. Christmas says God has entered this world to offer us lasting comfort in Jesus Christ. And we find this amazing news in all events of the first, of, of the first Christmas in the Bible. We've looked at them. We've looked at Mary's um, visit, uh, the, the angel's visit to Mary. We have had a look, uh, for example, at Mary's visit to Elizabeth. And we see again another wonderful event. We, speak, we, we skip Zechariah, perhaps next year, but we're looking this morning at another event in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to verse 33. Here we have baby Jesus being taken to the temple within the first month of his life. And as we look at this passage, we immediately realize it's got a wonderful good news for us 
And the wonderful truth this passage is teaching us this Christmas day is that Jesus is God's gift, right, of lasting comfort to us. Jesus is God's gift of lasting comfort to us. Look with me at verse 25. Mary and Joseph have come to Jerusalem to present baby Jesus, right, before the priest as required by the law. Now, in the city of Jerusalem, there is a man called Simeon who has been waiting all his life for the desperate situation he's living under in the, in the country to change. He's a bit like us. He's hoping for change. Look at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He's as good as they come. And he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, as I said, many of us are looking at the COVID situation in this nation and our endless lockdowns, and we're desperately longing for an end to COVID. But as bad as our situation is, <laughs> Simeon's situation is much worse than that. His country is under a brutal Roman occupation, and it's overseen by Herod. You see, the Jews are, over, are treated as second-class citizens in their own country. I think of the humiliation of the Rohingya Muslims that they are going through. That's how Israel is experiencing at the moment. During this time of Simeon, 2,000 years ago, they desperately need help. And many people in this society uh, at this time, they had lost any hope of change. But a few people like Simeon are still trusting that God will act to change the situation. It looks bleak, but they are trusting God. And we are told that Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? Well, the word for consolation here means solace, to be comforted. Simeon is waiting for his people to be alleviated of any discomfort they are facing in life. And the Spirit of God has filled Simeon, this godly man, with hope in face of despair. Look at verse 26. And it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see, since the days of the Old Testament, God had promised his people that he would send them a deliverer or a ruler, the Messiah or the Lord's Christ. That's why we read, we read that in Isaiah 9, which I just read before. And God the Holy Spirit has somehow revealed to Simeon, right, that he's not going to die. What a wonderful promise, right? He's not going to die until this lasting comfort, until Isaiah 9 and other prophecies from Micah, Isaiah, and other Evangelion in Genesis 3, until such wonderful promises are fulfilled. Until the Messiah arrives, right? This is an amazing promise that Simeon won't die until he sees the Messiah. I mean, this is the most extraordinary promise. You know, people promise us many things in life, but no one in this world can guarantee anything except God. We were promised by the government, weren't we, that if we gave up our liberty, right, if during the first lockdown, We'll flatten the curve. 
and life should come back to normal by the summer. Well, we are here, still in lockdown, and it's growing. More viruses, more variants coming. One came yesterday from South Africa. Human beings can promise, but it's just, they don't control anything. The promise that God is giving Simeon is not like our man-made promises. You know, husbands promise their wives, or wives promise their husbands, in sickness and in health. But we know divorce happens. God's promises are not like that. God's promise of lasting comfort to Israel and to Simeon is a cast-iron guarantee. It will happen. It is a promise not only of the all-knowing God, all-present and all-powerful God, but a God who through his unfailing love is committed to his covenant people. He backs up his power, his omniscience, and his omnipresence with love. It's a cast-iron guarantee. He is the covenant-keeping God. And so we see it here that it happens, doesn't it? The moment Simeon has been waiting for has come. As Simeon sees Mary and Joseph enter the temple in Jerusalem, he realizes it's all coming true. Let's read verse 27 to verse 31. And he came in the spirit into the temple that is filled with the spirit. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all the peoples. What strange words to say about a child that you hardly know, right? You've got to picture this. Imagine... A stranger saying this about your child. You come to church, somebody picks him up and says these words, right? The child is less than a month old, right? What would you do? What? You'd run away, you wouldn't come back to church again, right? <laughs> what strange thing is going on here? But this is no ordinary child, right? This child is the Messiah. Simeon says this child is a fulfillment of God's promise to serve his people. But notice that it's not just to the nation of Israel. God is offering this promise. God is offering this lasting comfort to anyone in the whole world who trusts in him. Look at verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, anyone who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus, regardless of background, race, gender, will find lasting comfort and salvation in God. And we have to ask, how is this possible? Well, it is possible because this baby Jesus in the gentle hands of Simeon is God himself entering human history. This is the sensational good news of Christmas. The central message of Christmas is that salvation does not come from ourselves or from following some super religion or from following great, some great scientific formula. True salvation comes from God's action of sending his Messiah at a particular place, in a particular time, 
and through a particular person. And this person is God himself who has put on human skin as the Lord Jesus Christ. This baby Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is what Zechariah calls the rising sun. With healing in his wings, as, 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 as Malachi says. He is God with us. And as we stare at this baby, as we stare further into the horizon of history, we see baby Jesus grow up, and then he dies a shameful death on the cross among criminals. And then we see the amazing comfort of Christmas right there in Easter, right? On Easter Day, we see that right there on the cross, fastened to that Roman cross, is God our Creator dying for your sins and mine. God is dying on the cross to take on himself all your filthiness, all your wretchedness of sin. He's dying the death we deserve in order to give us new life with him. Now, as the days and weeks pass, our lost Indonesian fisherman, Audi Adilan, is still drifting in the Pacific see where we left him. Then he sees an Indonesian ship sailing past. He manages to talk to the captain by walkie-talkie, right, as the ship is passing by. The captain says they'll pick him up after finishing work. But the ship from his own country never comes back. Audi is left drifting away. The sharks continue to circle his fishing hut. He is losing all hope of survival. And then now he runs out of water. That's a big problem at sea. So he starts dipping his shirt into the ocean and then sipping the seawater through the cloth. He hopes it will somehow reduce the salt he's drinking. After three days of doing that, he's still alive, right? Then on the fourth day, it rains, right? Fresh water again. But he has now been drifting out there for 49 days. And then hope arrives. A ship from Panama is sailing by. The week out, he starts to wave at the ship. He calls on the walkie-talkie, help, help. But the ship has already passed him. But then about one mile away, he sees the ship turn around. And of course, they come over to pick him up. They wrap him in warm blanket. They all run to him. They give him warm water, nice water to drink. And they take care of him. He's saved. He's led on. And as we think about our situation at that moment of rescue, it parallels our experience of coming to true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were drifting in the abyss of the hopeless sea of human sin, of human death. We were like the rest of mankind. We live in a hopeless state of despair and darkness. But Jesus came for us like that Panama ship. Jesus, our rising sun, who visited us to give us light in our darkness while we were sat in darkness. 
You see, on that first Christmas, God, who was within his rights to, not to sell pastors, to just keep going, turned around. He turned around to look at us. He turned around to us to rescue us from sin, death, Satan, and hell. And you know, Jesus did not just die on the cross for us and rise from death. He sent his spirit to convict each one of us of sin and bring us to true faith in him. And by his spirit, he's keeping us, sustaining us until we see him face to face. You see, the, the comfort of Simeon is now our comfort in Christ. Because through our faith in Jesus, we are now part of the true Israel. The, the new people of God in Jesus. The promise of verse 32 is our promise. In Jesus, we have seen the light of revelation to the Gentiles. In Jesus, we share in the glory of Israel. And that's why we are here this morning. Isn't it? We are here because of the comfort of Christmas. And so, as you celebrate Christmas today, I just want to leave you with three amazing comforts that I want you to think about today as you leave here this morning. Three amazing comforts from this passage just for you to think about today. There are three of them that you have in Jesus. The first comfort from this passage is this. Because Jesus came that first Christmas, all people of God have the comfort of peace of God in face of physical death. The first comfort this passage shows us is that if we are trusting in Jesus, we have the comfort of having peace in face of physical death. We see that in verse 29 to verse 31. The prayer... Of Simeon, Lord, now let your servant, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all peoples. As soon as Simeon holds baby Jesus, he feels ready to die. Why? What a strange thing. Why does he feel like that? Because he has met God in the flesh. And now he can't wait to see him in glory. Simeon is looking at the world he's lived in. God has sustained him. We don't know. Maybe he lived for a long time. Right? We don't know. But he's gotten tired of it. He's tired of the world. And now as he sees Jesus. He's thinking to himself. What great honor can I, can I receive now. In this life that can be equal to this. Nothing. All that he wants now is to see Jesus. We might say Paul later felt like him. Torn between this world and the next. You see, the important point is this. Simeon doesn't fear death. Why? Because he knows that this person is holding in his hands is the same person who will hold Simeon. When Simeon enters the door of death. When Simeon enters heaven. You know, one of the marks of a truly converted child of God 
is that he or she does not fear death. He or she has been delivered from the lifelong slavery of death, Hebrews chapter 2. He or she knows absent in body is present with Jesus. He or she doesn't fear death, not just for themselves, but also for those they live behind. They say know that if they were to die today, they may leave people behind. But they know that they have a God who even in their death will preserve and care for the loved ones they have left behind. They know it's not up to them even now to look after their children or their, or their spouses. It is God who does that even when they are alive. And so as we celebrate Christmas in the pandemic of death, that is the wonderful scripture that God is reminding us here. Let us celebrate it in a way that safeguards life. Yeah, social distance and everything. Be careful. And yet, beloved, let us celebrate it as people who do not fear death. And that's the encouragement for you here already this morning. By doing that, you're already showing that you share in the promise and the peace of Simeon. The first comfort this Christmas is that because Jesus came that first Christmas, all people of God have the comfort of peace in face of physical death. The secondly, the secondly, because Jesus came that first Christmas, we also have a second comfort, the comfort of God's faithfulness in face of any suffering we encounter. Look at verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according, according, according to your word. Simeon is praising God for keeping his word to Simeon personally. And God has kept his word to the nation by sending the Messiah, Jesus. So as we celebrate Christmas today, it is reminding us that we serve a God who keeps his promise. You know, when we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we said, we, we say all the time, don't we? God raised Jesus from the dead. He kept his promise. Beloved, what more Christmas? Thousands of years of promises. God kept his promise. He sent his son. And we can be sure this Christmas day that God will keep every other promise he has made in the Bible. He has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. This Christmas, keep trusting God to keep you through thick and thin. God has said that, for I will forgive your wickedness and will remember your sins no more. He's still keeping it in Jesus. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you forever. The Lord Jesus said, surely I am coming soon. Trust his word and say with the Apostle John, with all your heart, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, the media was so amazed by the survival of Audi Adelan. So they went round to interview him. The BBC did a story. The Guardian did a story. You can find it online. So they asked him, what kept you during this time? How did you occupy yourself? 
How did you stay sane? You know what he said to them? He said, when I was crying, the only consolation I had was reading the Bible. I worked my way through the books of Matthew, John, Isaiah, Genesis, and Psalms. And this is my favorite bit. Then he said this. Matthew 6, verse 9. The opening of the Lord's Prayer particularly stuck in my mind. What is it? (laughs) Of course you know the Lord's Prayer. What kept our consort in suffering are the words, Our Father in heaven. Our Lord be your name. Our Father in heaven. Our Lord be your name. The fatherhood and the holiness of God is what sustained that 18-year-old. When the day seemed bleak, what kept him was the knowledge that in Jesus, God was his father. That the God of Jesus is the holy God who keeps his promises. You never thought in Indonesia they are Christians, did you? Well, they are. That's what kept Audi Adelan. And this is also what kept Simeon going. And this is what should keep us going this Christmas. Knowing the word of God and trusting him who keeps his word. So the faithfulness of God, that's the second thing. The first thing, isn't it? I said, is the peace in face of death. Well, the final thing that I want you to remember, that Simeon wants you to remember from this, is that because Jesus came that first Christmas... We have the comfort of the unstoppable, glorious grace of God. Look at verse 29 to verse 32. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of For glory to your people, Israel. Simeon is saying, in Jesus, God will shower on Israel amazing glory. Jesus is the king of Israel who will be crowned with glory and splendor. And all people, not just believing Jews, but all who truly trust in Jesus will share in the amazing light and glory of this new king of Israel. You know, the world today is searching for glory, isn't it? I'm sure you have heard, perhaps heard about the globalist, right, plan for the fourth industrial revolution. Allegedly, it is going to give all of us a digital quantum leap, a great reset, they say. Beloved, whatever Satan may be up to, Simeon is saying, if we belong to Jesus, we already have a greater spiritual reset. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Our upgrade has already arrived. A quantum infinite leap. We have put on the new man in Christ. Glory lies ahead of us. Humanity's search for glory is over. If you trust in Jesus, God has lavished on us, his chosen people, eternal glory in King Jesus. And he will display us 
for all eternity. Without spot or wrinkle, Paul says. So on this Christmas day, I just want to encourage you with these words. Let us hold on to this comfort of Christmas. The comfort of peace in face of death. Right? The comfort of God's faithfulness we see in this passage. And that comfort of his glorious grace. Hold on to this comfort. Let us not fear what they fear. Let us not call conspiracy what these people call conspiracy. Let us not celebrate Christmas like a hopeless world. Instead, let us celebrate it with thanks and worship to our great God of all country. And let us rejoice, fully resting on our lasting comfort in Jesus. Amen.